Hello, friends. Thanks for tuning in to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Kaylee Olson, and I am here with my friend and co-host, Meredith Brock. Well, hey, Kaylee. I don't know about you, my friend, but I am so pumped for our audience to get to hear from a new teacher that we had on the podcast today. Her name is Jackie Hill Perry. She is a best-selling author, a speaker, and she just released a brand new book called Holier Than Thou, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him. And you know, Kaylee, when we went into this podcast recording, I didn't really know what to expect because that Mm -hmm. word holy, it, you know, it gets thrown around in church circles. Anybody who grew up in church, you probably sing it in songs. Like it's just one of those, it's a church term, right? Mm -hmm. It's like a church word. And oftentimes I know I don't totally know how it impacts my life. I know Mm -hmm. I should live in a holy way, but man, I am telling you guys, the way Jackie unpacks this, she starts in Isaiah Mm -hmm. six and goes through this passage that really helped me understand like, what does God's holiness have to do with me? And why does Mm -hmm. it even matter? And what does it, how does it affect my day-to-day life? Because it is so important. And Mm so my goodness, I am absolutely thrilled for you guys to be able to hear this recording today. Yes, absolutely. It's seriously so good. And Meredith, like you said, it's it's 15 minutes of content and you can't (laughs) unpack God's holiness fully in 15 minutes. But for me, it was like, a tip of the iceberg thing that gave me something to start off of and something right. to, to dig deeper into. And so super excited for you guys to listen to this. But before we dive into Jackie's teaching, I want to ask everyone, how are you preparing for Christmas? I mean, I know, I know it feels really early for me to mention that, but here's <laughs> why I'm bringing it up, Meredith. Sometimes the Christmas season seems to roll around again and I see Hobby Lobby pull out their decor when it's 97 degrees outside. <laughs> I think they do it in August and I always kind of scratch my head at that. But uh, in the midst of still dealing with uh, the pandemic and and just seasons of uncertainty in our life, um, it's easy for another tradition to kind of feel mundane, especially the end of the year, because we're just kind of ready for next year. Like maybe next year will be different, but, um, I don't, I don't want Christmas to feel mundane. I think that even though things feel weird, Christmas can still feel special. And so I want to invite our listeners to join us for our last online Bible study of the year. It's on Advent. It's called pointing to the promise. And we've got a really great resource that we want you guys to walk through with us. And we think it's going to be the perfect way for you to end your year as you kind of refocus and recenter your mind on, uh, the reason for the season. And so registration is absolutely free and you can find out more at proverbs31.org slash study. Well, all right, our listener friends, buckle up because here, here we go. <laughs> our conversation with Jackie Hill Perry. We are so excited to have our friend and the best-selling author and speaker, Jackie Hill Perry, on the show today. And Jackie, since you're a fir- this is your first time on the show, I don't want to jump straight into business here. I want our listeners to get to know you a little bit. So I want to take a second and ask you a question. Okay. A big group of our listeners are moms. I'm a mom. I've got three little kiddos. Um, I know you're a mom and we have all been in the thick of this weird season of like our kids are at home all the time because of COVID and all the things, right? So on behalf of all the moms listening today, we would like to know 
we know we're all doing it, right? We're all sneaking into the pantry and hides, like sneaking the snack that you don't want your kids to see you eating because you know if they see you eating it, they're going to want some too. So what is your sneaky pantry snack of choice? This is really actually difficult for me to answer because I've been pregnant during both years of the pandemic. Wow. Um, and so there's, I, I'm just not really discriminatory in what, whatever it is I choose to, to eat. <laughs> it's like what, what's available at the time. Uh, I so like yeah, that. It, could, I, it could be, it could be the little crackers with the peanut butter. I'll go for mm. those. It could be Rice Krispie treats. It could be a, a, a bowl of dry cereal. Honestly, <laughs> it could be bacon, <laughs> it, a, a slice of sweet bread. It, it doesn't, so I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer except to say anything. Anything but, that's available that you can yes. hide. Your, this, your littles. How old are your, t- tell us the age range of kiddos that you have. Uh, six, three, 11 months. Wow. And, and, then, and, one, on, and one on the way. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. I'm seven, wow. almost seven months pregnant. Bless you. Jackie. Wow. Bless you and your hips and your lower back. That's my Thank prayer for you. you today. I receive that. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, uh, Jackie, we hope that after we hop off this recording today, that whatever snack fits your fancy later on, that you enjoy it and that you are rewarded for this teaching and this time that you've given to us. But let's get back to the real reason that you're here today. Your new book, Holier Than Now, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him, hit the streets earlier this year in August. And we're so thankful that you took some time out of your schedule to come on the show and share a really special teaching with us today. And uh, at Proverbs, we say all the time around here that our goal is to help women know the truth of God's word and live out that truth. And I just can't think of a more fundamental teaching for us to get to absorb today from you that impacts our walk with the Lord. And so I'm excited to hear it. Meredith is excited to hear it. And so we want to turn the mic over to you and let you just talk. All right. Um, before we begin, I do think it's helpful to pray. I know we prayed already, yeah. uh, but I would like to pray again. So Father, we, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit who helps us to understand it, uh, helps us to take hold of it and helps us to believe it and apply it. And so we pray, God, that you would use this um, short word to do uh, mighty things. Mm-hmm. Uh, we pray all this in your name. Amen. Uh, So I'll be walking through Isaiah uh, 6 briefly uh, from verse 1 to verse 7. So I'll just read it. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to one another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And one of the seraphim flew to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. 
Um, I think this is a passage we all, uh, depending on how long we've been in church, have heard and saw and read a lot. Um, but I do think it's a it's a passage that we should never treat as commonplace, uh, primarily because it tells us something about the nature of God. I think it's really important for us to have a theological, fundamental, and true understanding about the nature of God because we have so many critics and so many books and so many TikTok videos and even our passions and our circumstances that want to define God for us. And if their definitions are not true, then their definitions have a dark and demonic source. Uh, but also, if and when we allow them to define God for us, then we don't give God the room to define himself. And so I think it's very important that we become or we take heed to what A.W. Tozer said, which is what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. It isn't your gifting. It isn't simply your ministry. It isn't um whatever identity that you embody on a daily basis is simply what is it that you think about God? And so I believe that if if what comes into our minds when we think about God, I think if it's void of his holiness, then there's a problem. Um, it says that in the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. King Uzziah was a king in Judah for 52 years. 52 years is a really long time. <laughs> 52 years ago from today was 1969. In 1969, we had the uh, Woodstock. We had the Stonewall Riots. We had, uh, what's his name, walked on the moon, Armstrong. You remember his name. Uh, my mother was 15 years old. Like 52 years is such an expansive amount of time and so much can happen. But even then, things must come to an end, including kings. And Isaiah says that it is in that same year that King Uzziah dies that he has a vision where he sees another king on a throne alive and well. You might say to yourself, what does this have to do with holiness? Well, one thing about holiness that we have to understand is that holiness is not just that God is morally pure, that God is righteous, that God is sinless, but it's also that God is transcendent, meaning he exists differently than us. The reason it is significant that Isaiah sees God on the throne alive and well means that it God has not merely holy because he's alive. He's holy because he's always been alive. Uh, if you if you talk to any child, they will ask you, hey, did God create me? And you're like, yeah. Did God create the world? And you're like, yeah. And then they say, did God create us or, or, or who created God? And then you're stuck and you don't know what to say. And the only biblical answer we can give is that no one created God. God exists because God exists, which automatically sets him apart from every single thing you have or will ever know. Because everything on earth and in heaven and in space has a beginning, is a derivative, is contingent. But it is only God who is sufficient and has life within himself. That automatically helps us to see, oh, this being we are dealing with, this, this person that Isaiah sees is completely different. Um, I think it's helpful to actually define holiness at this point, because I've kind of given you uh, both definitions uh, in the midst of my exposition. But holiness is this. Holiness comes from the root word to cut or to separate. 
And so when talking about holiness, all we're really talking about is the idea of separateness. So for example, um, Tony Evans gives this, uh, <laughs> this uh, analogy about how in every house, there are two kinds of dishes. You have uh, the regular dishes that you just eat chicken Alfredo on or applesauce. They're just not important. You got them from Hobby Lobby, Ross, TJ Maxx, Marshalls. They, just, you didn't spend a lot of money on them. You know, you just throw them in the cabinet when you're done. It's just no big deal. There's another set of dishes that only comes out during special occasions. And you treat these dishes differently. You, you might have spent more money. You probably got these from Pottery Barn somewhere or, or uh, I, I don't know, West Elm. Like <laughs> these dishes cost. These dishes, dishes have a level of investment in them. And so there are some people in some homes where when these dishes are used, uh, you don't even put them back in the regular cabinets. You put them in a china cabinet that exists in a whole nother place and a whole nother side of the house. Why? These, these dishes are separated from what is common. These dishes are separated from what is regular because these dishes, metaphorically speaking, are holy. So in talking about the holiness of God, we are not primarily talking about rules or wrath, hell and sin, uh, damnation and judgment. We are talking about the fundamental idea that God is totally set apart from everything. And so Isaiah observes this in the fact that God is eternal, that God is alive and well, that God will not die, that God has no beginning, that God has no end. And he notices that at the same time that this God is, is alive and well with the robe of his, uh, the, the, the train of his robe filling the temple, he sees these, these creatures that he calls seraphim. Uh, seraphim is, is translated as burning ones. So it's possible that these, these creatures look like inflamed beings with wings, which would quite frankly be terrifying if any of us saw them in person. Uh, but these angels are having a conversation or, or really singing a song. This is a hymn that we are singing. They are singing a song about the nature of God. Uh, they call him holy, holy, holy. Uh, it's important to know that they don't say holy once. They don't say holy twice, but they say holy three times. And this is why, because in Hebrew literature, repetition is always used to emphasize something. So you see this in the New Testament when Jesus would say, truly, truly, or verily, verily, I say unto you, he would, he would, he would repeat himself to emphasize a statement. Uh, depending on what kind of friends you have, if you've got a couple black friends, you might have experienced that at one point, they might have met somebody that they think you remember, and they say, hey, girl, I saw David, and you say, David who? And she says, David, David, she, she repeats herself. She says the name again to emphasize, to trigger a thought for you. Uh, they, we don't even know. We thought we were being cultural, but we were actually being biblical the whole time. So to say that God is holy, 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 to, to, to say his name to the third power is to say that God is not merely holy, but God is most holy. He is supremely holy. He is, he is completely holy. He is, he is totally holy. Uh, but what is Isaiah's response to, to this vision? I think some of us sometimes presume that if we were to have a vision of God, that if we were to enter into the throne room of God, our immediate response would be worship. Uh, but when Isaiah sees God, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't join in to the seraphim's praise. He doesn't lift up his hand and worship. He doesn't open up his mouth and give God glory. It, 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 what actually happens is that as Isaiah 
sees this vision of God as, as a temple is shaking, as, as smoke enters the room, the only response Isaiah has in that moment is confession. And that's because uh, God is not only set apart because he's transcendent, existing differently than us, but God is also set apart because he is morally pure, meaning he is completely righteous. He is, he is always ethical. He is morally superior. He is without spot. He is without wrinkle. He is without blemish. Imagine if you can a being who can only do good, a being who can only be right. A, a being who, who could only think righteously, a being who 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 has a an un, who has a clean heart and, and unblemished hands. Imagine a being with motives Satan can never influence. Imagine a being whose behavior will never need atonement. Imagine a being who, who sounds too good to be true, but truly he is that good. And and naturally then. God's moral purity is so brilliant, so so bright that that in the presence of God, anything that is unlike him automatically recognizes that they are unlike him. Uh, and this is because in the Bible, it talks about how God is light. Light is a metaphor for righteousness. And when we understand the function of light, we know that light illuminates. Light shows us what's in the dark. So it's it's Isaiah stepping into the presence of the one who is light, where Isaiah finally actually sees what's been hidden this entire time, which is that he is a man of unclean lips who dwells in the midst of the people of unclean lips. But notice what he says. He says, woe is me, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Before that, he says, woe is me, for I am lost. I think the English doesn't really convey the full thrust of the Hebrew, which is, for I am ruined, for I am destroyed. It's in the presence of Almighty God and this transcendent, morally pure God that Isaiah not only recognizes his sinfulness, but he also recognizes the consequences that his sin deserves, which is judgment. Uh, anytime we talk about holiness, we have to deal with the idea of justice because God has given us a law that if obeyed, we would be considered righteous too. We would be considered holy too. But because we break God's law by obligation of his moral nature and his character, God is obligated to judge us. Uh, but the funny thing is, is that even when Isaiah acknowledges his judgment, what comes in response isn't judgment, but mercy. Look at verse six. It says, the one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. What makes this verse or these verses so amazing is that Isaiah never asked for it. He, he never said, hey, God, can you atone for me? Neither did he try to work himself into atonement. He, he didn't say, hey, I, 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 you, I think I might be a prophet. How, 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 how good can I be to atone for my sin? How, how many works can I do to atone for my sin? We don't see him asking for atonement or working for atonement, but we see him receiving it anyway. And I really believe that what is happening here 
is what happens to every woman who has repented and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is that God initiated mercy on your behalf before you even asked him to. And we know this by way of scripture when it says, for while I was a sinner, Christ died for me, which is to say that even before you sinned or before you needed or knew you needed a savior, God already did the work. God already did what he he needed to do to secure your atonement. God already did what he had to do to make sure that you could be made right with God, that you could be made clean and set apart for godliness and for good works. Um, To close, I just want to remind us of something or point something out rather. Um, In John chapter 12, verse 41, there's this really interesting statement that John says, I'm going to read it. He says, Uh, that Isaiah saw his glory, speaking about Jesus, and spoke of him. And when you read that, you think, wait, Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and spoke of him? And it's odd because so often we think about that. When we think about Isaiah 6, we think about the Father. But what John is saying is that what Isaiah saw was a pre-incarnate vision of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means that (laughs) who he saw is the Lord that we call friend. Who he saw is the Lord that we call savior. Who he saw is the Messiah. Who he saw is our king. Who he saw is our brother. And this God hath the audacity to get up off his throne condescend, become a human, take on flesh, and live a life of obedience unto death, even death on the cross, so that it is at the name of Jesus that every man should bow, and every knee or every knee should bow, and every man confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. And so what we see in Isaiah 6 is a vision of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I think that should very much change how we look at, define, and uh, worship God. And so I guess if I had to end by saying anything, it would be this. It is that uh, God is holy. He is transcendent. He is morally pure. He is completely different than anything or anyone we have or will ever know. And because we were born after Adam, we were born very much unlike this God. But this God in his love and in his kindness saw our situation and saw our position and knew we couldn't work our way into atonement. So he did what he had to do to secure it uh, purely on the basis of mercy and purely on the basis of love for all that belief. That's it. Wow, Jackie. Um, you've, I think you've, I know you've certainly given me and I know our listeners too a lot to think about and digest because I think so often, and, and you have alluded to it, I think you alluded to it at the beginning of your teaching, is that that word holiness um, gets thrown around in church circles and in Sunday school and hymns and worship songs, and we don't really know the weight of it, mm-hmm. you know, and what it means in our in our lives. It's this churchy word, and you don't really use it anywhere else, you know. Um, other than in church contexts. And I think the way that you have unpacked it, I, I think for a lot of our listeners, we have a lot of listeners that are new to church. And then we have ones that, you know, are 
have been in church before they were born, you know? And so there's this, I think, a wide swath of people hearing this for the first time going, I've never thought about this like this before. And one of the things you said right at the top of your your teaching was what we, it was that A.W. Tozer quote of like, mm-hmm. what comes into your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. And I, it gave me pause because I, I thought, okay, what are some of the things I think incorrectly about mm-hmm. God? You know, what are some of the things that I or our listeners might be thinking about God? And what do you do with that when you have identified, okay, my, my thinking about who God is, maybe because you've made him too small, because he's still mm-hmm. the, the felt board Jesus story time from Sunday school, um, or maybe he, you've made him re- this awful, terrible God you know, that, that is not good to you. What do you do with those thoughts, Jackie? Help our listeners know, like they've, maybe they had that moment like I did, like, wow, where am I thinking about incorrectly about God? And what do I do with that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our, our imperfection isn't just in our behavior, but also in our, our thinking patterns. Mm -hmm. And so no one thinks perfectly about God. Um, I think the good news is that God has given us his word so mm. that we can, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and so I, I think one practical, I guess, application of wisdom is not just to say, what is it, what is it that I'm thinking about God and identifying what is wrong, but why? Because I, I do think that there's always the possibility that my thinking about God is shaped by what I consume most. Mm-hmm. And so could it be that my my understanding and definitions of God are being shaped by the culture more than they're being shaped by the scriptures? Or mm-hmm. could it be that my definitions of God are being shaped by my affections more than they're being shaped by the scriptures? Because our feelings will tell us to define God a certain way. Oh, mm-hmm. life is terrible, so God must be bad or God must not hear me. And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, y- your feelings are telling you that. Jesus did not reveal that, though. Right. right. <laughs> so that's right. That's good. I think the emphasis is let's don't don't shame yourself. Mm. Praise God that you came to the knowledge of your heart. Like I say, mm. it did that's get good. in the Bible, do the work and believe what you see. Mm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Kaylee, I know yeah. you had a thought, too. You wanted to share. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, Jackie, I'm thinking about the uh, subtitle of your book, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him. And I loved hearing from you today unpack what God's holiness is, but I couldn't get out of my head. Like trust comes into play. It's kind of like this Mm -hmm. thing that we... We know that we trust God, but our trust is put on the line when we go through something really hard. Like for anybody, mm-hmm. I mean, you could be like me and have suffered a miscarriage last year. That makes trust hard. Or you mm-hmm. could uh, be a mom who has a kid that's not talking to you right now. Your husband could, there's so many things right now that people are going through that their trust is on the line with the Lord because they hear that he's holy and that he can do no wrong, but they feel so wronged right Mm -hmm. now. And so I don't know what this has looked like for you, but when we question God's holiness, when we're going through seasons where we feel like our trust is broken, 
how does this holiness inform your trust with the Lord in the situations that you've been in? And what are maybe some of the things that you've had to reorient in your mind in those dark seasons? Okay, great question. Let me uh, say something from scripture first and then uh, share my perspective, which is I started to see this this connection between holiness and our trust when I was in uh, Jeremiah 2 and uh, God is speaking to Israel. And he said, what wrong have you found in me that you left me and went after worthlessness? I was like, whoa. And then I saw it again in John 6, when Jesus speaking to Israel says, can any of you convict me of sin? If not, why don't you believe me? And in both circumstances, you see God basically um, esteeming or bringing to light his moral purity as the reason why he's worthy of their faith. And I think when we bring that back into our life, the thing is, is that what we go through really does have a strong influence on what we believe. So, mm-hmm. for example, uh, even if you look at the disciples when they were in the ship and they felt like the ship was about to sink, what was the first thing that they accused God of? Don't you care mm-hmm. that we're going to die? Where it's like their circumstances made them question the compassion of God. And so I think for me, I've really had to fight and wrestle with, I have to believe that God's word is true, even if it contradicts how I feel, because my circumstances and my trials are always changing. And if if, if I am defining God based on what I go through, then God's character is going to be all over the place for me. Mm-hmm. Therefore, my peace is. Therefore, mm-hmm. my hope is, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if I, if I anchor myself in the fact that God does not change, that God is a compassionate God, slow to anger, that God is faithfulness, that God is good, that God is wise, that God is perfect, that God can't even lie to me. I really do think even if our circumstances don't change, at least we have peace in the midst of them. Wow. Mm. Wow. That is, that's something that I know I need to chew on. And I feel like with, with what we learned about holiness and just hearing what you just said in the midst of everybody right now in their own seasons of life, walking in their hard circumstances, what truth to root ourselves in. Like yeah. you said, we can't anchor ourselves based on our situations. We have to anchor our, anchor our hope and our faith and our trust in the truth of who God says he is. So thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jackie, and sharing this with us. And we did mention your book earlier uh, at the top of the show. And I want to take a moment to point our listeners back to it again, because I do think it's such a great resource as just something pivotal in your faith. And so Jackie's newest released Holier Than Thou walks us through scripture and helps us understand what holiness is, like she talked about in her teaching today. It's really a foundational concept in our relationship with the Lord. And we want you guys to dig into this book and you can get your copy today anywhere books are sold. And we've linked it for you in the show notes at proverbs31.org slash listen. And lastly, friends, we want to invite you to our last online Bible study of the year. Earlier this year, our team sat around and took a look at the whole calendar and said, you know what? We want to dig into Advent and study it this year. So we will be doing exactly that. That study starts mid-November and registration is absolutely free. So join us by visiting Proverbs31.org study to find out more or go to our show notes and you can sign up there. 
All right, friends, that's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode at Proverbs 31 Ministries. We believe when you know the truth of God's word and live out that truth, it changes everything.